today Sally's going to let take us looking for birds. Bird watching, you might say. Birds of Australia and the world and where you can find them. Time to talk travel and Sally Lucas, um, well, birds, birds, birds. Yeah, it's a nice way of looking at travel, isn't it? Right. Where can you go to find some interesting Lovely birds? Lovely birds. Well, I thought that and I thought, we, you know, it's nice to talk about something pleasant that everyone might like to enjoy. So we'll start with Ecuador, and it's one of the smallest countries in South America, but it does have four regions, which are the Andes, the Pacific Coast, the Amazon and the Galapagos. And the capital, Quito, was the first city in the world to be declared a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Oh, that's interesting. (coughs) Isn't it? So there you go. It's a very high city, of course, so part of Ecuador is high, isn't it? Yes. Part of it, as you say. yeah. Along the Pacific coast and then the islands. And then the, Am- the Amazon, the river. And so the Amazon, yes, and jungle. Yeah. Wow. And there, there's a route, which I'm sure you've done, Jane, known as the Avenue of the Volcanoes, which is um, gives you dramatic scenery, markets, of course, and, and towering volcanic peaks, as we've said. Now, the Amazon Basin is just a 30-minute flight from Quito as well, if you you know haven't got a long time to do it all by, by land. Um, and the Galapagos are only two hours away by plane. And, of course, we know from... David Attenborough, that wonderful man, what wonderful diverse, you know, fauna and bird life and marine life that you have there, of course. Amazing so, birds, yes. And, and I mean, I think it's just a real draw card, I guess, for both snorkelers, divers and photographers, you know, just to be at one with these animals that don't have fear. Of humans. Um, now, when to go to Ecuador? Well, April to November is the dry season in the highlands, and it's also the best time for doing the Avenue of the Volcanoes. You can go to the Galapagos all year round. Um, December to June's warm and humid, while July to November's cooler with fresher winds. And the driest period in the Amazon area begins in December and ends around February. Wettest months tend to be about May, June. But, of course, it is a rainforest and you can get rain all year round, really. So I've just got to keep that in mind. So then we're going to talk about the bird life at the... If I can find my page... Birds are interesting creatures, aren't they? Well, we're they? going to talk about flamingos, actually, believe it or not. Yeah. And I didn't realise flamingos can be found just about every continent in the world. That's interesting. It is. But anyway, we're going to look at the other side of things at the moment, which was, if I can find the Galapagos Island, it's got, of course, your blue boobies, blue-footed boobies, should I say, and all other sorts of wonderful, wonderful uh, marine life there. And the, also we've got the Brazilian side of going the other side of South America, which has wonderful bird life as well. Once you get to Iguazu Falls and see the toucans and all the wonderful birds and these tiny little swallows that fly in between all the spray of, of the waterfalls, it's quite magnificent. It's a very, very spectacular part of the world. And the flamingos, I just thought we'd talk about them today in particular because I found a lot when I started researching this. I had no idea. It does come from the Spanish word flamenco, mm-hmm. meaning fire and refers, of course, to its bright colour. So does everyone know why it's that bright colour? Is it Do our listeners know? Do you know? Well, yes. It's because it's what they eat, of course. They're born grey or white, and it can take them up to three years to reach their mature pink colour, which it comes from their ability to collect and metabolise carotenoid pigments in the food that they eat, the same pigments that make carrots and orange. So uh, their diet includes shrimp, plankton, algae and crustaceans, of course, and that's what gives them that. But they can actually 
go back to being white or grey depending on where they are breeding and what they're eating. So isn't that interesting? Indeed it is. Um, more shrimps or prawns. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So they can be found on every continent in the world except Antarctica. Do we have them here too? Well, they're, I don't know. They're saying that every continent in the right. world, so that's a big Big call. Big call. They like to inhabit areas close to large bodies of water from fresh to salt, including mudflats, lakes, coastal lagoons, open marshes and relatively shallow salt lakes. There's only six species of flamingos in the world, although they do have some subspecies as well. Um, there's four can be found throughout the Americas and the Caribbean, for example, and also in the Bahamas, Aruba, Cuba, Central America, etc., Gulf of Mexico, Argentina, Chile, Ecuador... Venezuela, and also Africa, Asia, Europe. I don't think they are here, you know. They've said every continent. I think they've forgotten about Australia. Of course, we're so far down under, they forget we're here. Perhaps they're thinking of us as an <laughs> island rather than a, a continent. continent. Maybe they are. The Great Rift Valley, Tanzania, Kenya, and also Pakistan, uh, Middle East, Saudi Arabia, Turkey, Qatar. So quite amazing, isn't it, that you think they're in that many countries around the world. We always, I, well, I associate them more with, with Africa. Um, but obviously they're, ev- they're, they're everywhere. So what an interesting lot of birds. So the next place you're going to talk about is somewhere cold with some really interesting birds. Well, we want to know, do people know what the difference is between an orc or a penguin? Do the listeners know what's an orc and what's a penguin and how do you tell them apart? How do you spell orc? A-U-K. Uh, not O-R-C. No, <laughs> not as in orca. Yes, Alk. Maybe it's pronounced Alk. No, I, I think know. it's pronounced Alk. Alk. You're right. Yeah, yeah. So we can talk about them. And they are relative of the penguin, but they Orcs can fly and swim, whereas, of course, penguins can't fly. Talking travel on to a new RFM, and we've started a bit of a, <laughs> a fund of knowledge, I suppose. We're a font of knowledge. We're looking down the difference between orcs and penguins. Yes, and I thought this is really lovely to talk about bird life or any sort of animal life to me is wonderful. I, I love it all. And I think that's when we travel, don't we? We enjoy these experiences and interactions that we have, whether it's Arctic, Antarctic, Africa, or wherever you happen to be, Galapagos. It's just wonderful to have and share, as I said, these experiences. So, yes, the orc, he's only a, a little fella, 50 centimetres tall, and they only weigh a maximum of 700 grams. So Very light. And they can fly and swim, but they're only in the northern hemisphere in the Arctic. Right. Now, penguins, of course, as we know, are in both areas, uh, depending on the type of penguins. I think mainly in the... No, they're not. It's only polar bears are in the north and penguins are in the south. That's right. I think there are puffins in the north, which yes, the puffins. sort of not the same thing. No, no, puffins. But no. there is a penguin that's in the Galapagos, so if they happen to, fly, yes. to swim over the equator, then um, yes. the Galapagos penguin is there. And then in the Antarctic, of course, you've got different types of penguins, as you know, Jane, like the, the chin strap and the gen two, etc. And they're all in the Antarctic Peninsula area. But then you get your emperor penguin, but that's not down on the Antarctic Peninsula. It's over on the other islands around Georgia, Falkland area. And now the emperor penguin, he's about 130 centimetres tall and he can weigh 40 kilos. It's a little different. <laughs> quite, a, quite a large chap. Very distinguished they are, emperor penguins. And then you've got your little blue or pygmy penguin, which comes in at about 40 centimetres metres tall and weighs about 1.3 kilos. So it's interesting, it's shorter than the orc, but weighs more. Mm. 
mm. or can weigh more. And doesn't swim. It uh, doesn't fly, yeah. rather. So they, they, the orcs can fly and swim, but, of course, our other penguins, all the other penguins with their wings or what do you ever call them, wings, are used at more like flippers. So that's what helps them swim. So that's, that's the difference. So interesting, all these little interesting things I find. Mm. Now, we're moving right away from that part of the world to our own part of the world, which, of course, is, again, wild and unspoiled, beautiful part of Australia, the Kimberley's Lacepede Islands. Now, the Lacepedes were named by Nicolas Baudin, who was a French explorer, cartographer, naturalist and hydrographer, I'll get it out in a minute, on the 5th of August 1801 during his New Holland expedition in honour in honor, rather, of French naturalist Bernard Germain de Lacepede. So he described several Australian fish species and the name of the islands was first charted on the Freycinet map of 1811, uh, which preceded by three years Matthew Flinders' map of Australia, which was the Terra Australis. Mm. So very interesting. So the islands themselves were named Napoleon, Grant and Victoria Islands. However, they are now known as West, Middle, Sandy and East Island. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Not quite as romantic. No, it's not, is it? So they're lying off the Kimberley coast of Western Australia, separated by the Lassipede Channel, which is about 120 k's north of Broome, and they form a long chain that stretches about 12 kilometres as well. So they've got sand spits and coral fragments, low vegetation, and that's, they lie atop a platform of coral reef. So the islands became an A-class nature reserve in recognition of their significance in 1970 as a breeding site for bird and marine life. And since the eradication of rats in 1986, it's further increased their popularity as a nesting site for seabirds. So that's really interesting, isn't it? So the islands support over 1% of the world population of brown boobies and rosate terns. So that's, wow, the breeding colony of the boobies is possibly the largest in the world with up to 18,000 breeding pairs, while 20,000 rosate terns have also been recorded on the islands. So they've got lots of other birds there as well. They've got pelicans, they've got crested and lesser crested terns, egrets, silver gulls, common noddies, lesser frigate birds, uh, the oyster catchers, um, wimbrels, etc. So a lot of birds. In addition to birds, it's also a significant um, breeding site for green turtles and also the humpback whales are also sighted frequently Mm. in that area when they do their they have about 40,000 um, whales migrate along that West Australian coast each year. We always think of it on our side, but you get the migration on the other side as well. So, yes, there's some really interesting things we can all do and dream about if you're thinking of that next holiday you're planning. We've, we've, we've taken you to the Arctic, the Antarctic, uh, the Kimberley, uh, the Galapagos, oh, Ecuador. The world's our oyster. Yeah. Nearly. And, well, we can dream and, and we can plan, again. can't we? We certainly can. We'll all be getting back there one day. Talking travel on 2NURFM and things are changing so much, travelling around our country, what we where we can go, where we can't go. It's always good to get an update, Sally Lucas. Of course, and just remember, even what I'm saying today is always subject to change, as we know, because as things are changing with clusters, dates are changing. So Queensland is still open for us, as from the 10th of July it, it opened up. And if you've come, though, from Victoria or the Sydney hotspots areas, you'll be just turned back. Mm-hmm. Um, not allowed to even enter or quarantine. You'll just be turned around, told to go home. So just keep that in mind. Norfolk Island also opened on that date as well with those same sort of restrictions. Uh, the Northern Territory uh, opened today um, to to us. Um, and it's only, again, if you're from Sydney or the um, area or Victoria, that you then must quarantine 
for 14 days at your own expense. Um, the ACT is pretty well okay for us, but again, they don't want people coming from the Sydney, again, or Victoria mm-hmm. hotspots, so that's all okay. Um, and as you know, our border is shut with Victoria at the moment, so that's the only area we've closed off to is, is Victoria. Um, so that's all good. Now, Tasmania has was supposed to be 24 July. They've now reviewed it because of what's happened in Victoria. because there's so much traffic, as you can understand, Jane, between Victoria and Tasmania with freight and all sorts of things, you know. So they're saying 31 July, but they'll review it again then. So that may not still happen on 31 July. And um, South Australia has now shut their borders with no date mentioned, but reviewing again. Um, Today, they're supposed to be meeting and reviewing. And WA has not even indicated a hint of a date. Mm. So So except for um, interstate, but they are welcoming people from Northern Territory and South Australia. And Tasmania? I can't I think they were included in their original. Might be. They, they may, might have, be, may but... have revised that. But we're not from Tasmania. No, so. no, exactly. Uh, just to let people know that, of course, with going to Tassie, you know, a lot of people love to take their own car down. Well, of course, you can't do that now either because you're travelling through Victoria to mm. get on the ferry. The old days when we had one from Sydney, well, it would have been okay, but we, we don't. Um, but just to let you know that um, the Spirit of Tasmania will be accepting bookings for travel from 1 September onwards at this stage. Mm-hmm. That could change too. But if you've got a, an existing booking uh, for travel prior to 1 September, you will be contacted by the Spirit of Tasmania team, um, You know, or you can actually go onto the website under Manage My Booking and do that. Um, then for peace of mind until 31 August, they're offering passengers the flexibility to amend or cancel bookings without incurring cancellation mm, fees. Yes, that's good news anyway. Yeah, which is important. Um, but lots of other companies who've not usually put together packages for Australia are now realising the benefits of doing so. So one company, for example, Adventure Destinations, now has got amazing road trips um, that they're putting together you can do and book through them, um, which is throughout Australia and New Zealand when it comes online. So we hope that's not going to be too far away. But there's some lovely itineraries here. Of course, you can go any day with a self-drive. You're not fixed to a set date, so that's always good. They give you a fully detailed day-by-day itinerary, giving, you know, recommendations directions, integrated maps for every overnight stop, uh, an itinerary link via app with a digital link, uh, 24-7 toll-free assistance telephone during your travels, and accommodation included in motels, hotels, or unique you know, little special properties. And, of course, the car rental is included as well. So there's lots of different um, road trips they recommend, like, for example, the Great Ocean Road, Gibb River, Nullarbor, when these areas open up again, of course, we're talking about Grand Pacific Drive in New South Wales and, again, Kangaroo Island. That's a wonderful place to go and visit. And also Bunnick Tours, who is a South Australian company, that's the, that's the name of the, the family that owns Bunnick Tours, is normally, again, all overseas destinations. Now they're doing the – one of the owners, Dennis Bunnick, has decided he wants to show people his own wonderful state – First world-class wineries, Kangaroo Island, the ancient beauty of the Flinders Ranges and so much more. Some fantastic inclusions, actually. It's an 11-day itinerary and there's dates that they're hoping to start towards the latter part of this year. Again, you know, subject to everything being okay. But, you know, they take you to the Adelaide markets. You go into the Adelaide Hills and visit the wonderful studio of Sir Hans Heysen. Um, You go to the world-renowned wine regions of the Barossa and Seppeltsfield, etc. So many inclusions. It's really, really great. Um, And Norfolk Island, again, they've got some packages on sale up until the end of July. 
buy if you want to take advantage. There's quite a lot. I won't mention prices today, Jane, but just to let you know, it's open for, for travel and there's some great packages there. And then we've got the Broom and Kimberley. They're opening up all their package holidays again with early bird offers and special discounts ready for when you can cruise the Kimberley and do your trips around there. So everything is starting to, you know, evolve. And interesting new packages. Yes, very interesting new packages for Australia. And I'm sure they're going to absolutely, you know, really encourage people to do that. Even today I was just talking to someone here in the studio who works here who did not know how beautiful Lord Howe Island was. And when I started showing them the pictures and they've just gone, oh, my God, we didn't know such a beautiful place existed. I said, it sure does. (laughs) And it should be on everyone's bucket list. It's another place that's delightful. It doesn't open up, however, till the 3rd of August. Thank you, Sally Lucas. Thanks, Jane. We'll talk travel again next Friday after the 1 o'clock news on 2NURFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.